Welcome to North Point Plus, episode 128. Uh, I'm Dan Ermitlou. I'm joined by... Doug Rutledge. Doug Rutledge. Thanks for joining us, Doug. Thanks yeah, for thanks, uh, Dan. being held over after class. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I felt like I was in conflict. <laughs> yeah. Gonna... We got to get this hammered out. Yeah, All good, right. good. Step one, <laughs> I need two or three people to come in here. <laughs> we can come at you. Exactly. Um, well, uh, if you haven't joined us for North Point Plus before, um, this is really just an opportunity to get together with uh, whoever's given the message so they can sort of uh, give us the inside baseball scoop on some of the maybe the notes that uh, got cut on the cutting room floor. Um, maybe elaborate on some of the tough-to-understand topics that you yeah. really kind of ran out of time Always. on. Yeah. Um, also gives us a chance to be able to go over some of your questions um, that you would like addressed, and who better to address it than... The guy who gave the message. Oh, I can think of a lot of people that would be better to address <laughs> than me. <laughs> um, so yeah, before we really get into the uh, into the meat of that, uh, Doug, do you want to catch us up on overview what what you talked about today? Sure. Today uh, we talked about conflict resolution, and um, there's a so I suppose the general theme of what I talked about was that God desires something more than j- just resolution. What God is actually looking for is reconciliation, which means a restoration of the relationship. And that's difficult because it doesn't always happen on this planet. But that's God's desire. Created earth. It was perfect. There was sin. It broke that relationship. And um, and since that time, God is waiting for the moment where he reconciles it all. That's the broad general scope. But then personally, Knowing that Christ was that resolution, that reconciliation, how do I deal with people that I'm in disagreement with, who have hurt me, who annoy me, who uh, you know just are on the wrong side of of my uh, my relationship? And um, so we looked at the biblical principles of reconciliation, not so much just conflict resolution. That means learning to live with it. Hmm. God's intention is to live in spite of the knowledge that we're going to have tension. We, okay. we just are. Yeah. Interesting. So that's kind of where we went. So is that kind of an idea of like uh, maybe holding on to your own position but allowing room for disagreement versus just letting go entirely? Yeah, sometimes unless they're in error. And Scripture talks about people who are in error. It mm-hmm. talks about people who are willfully sinful. And the time... Uh, yeah, we'll go into that a little bit, but the time clock that God has on on patience mm-hmm. is His clock, and ultimately He brings He brings justice. Right. So that's the other side of this, right? Resolution or reconciliation happens, but then uh, there is an ultimate time where God justifies and He judges, and um, that's not. That's not me. That's my problem, and that's kind of what the sermon was. Right. It was saying, I don't really have the ability to judge very fairly because I'm so scarred personally that I bring my sin into every conflict. Yeah, when you, uh, when you were mentioning that kind of earlier uh, in the sermon, that we often sort of see it through everything through the lens of, um, you know, well, it's these other people's problems, really, and I just, you know, they, they, how, how can we fix it on their end so that they're good with me and right. agree with me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like, yeah, that is a very natural. Yeah, that's that's my go-to. That's how that's how we all are. I, I think guess. we try and do that with our kids. I'm yeah. raising my kids, and I'm like, if I can just fix this, yeah. then this house will be happier. And I think that's human. I think that's normal. Yeah. But I also think um, that I have to have the bigger picture of what's going on here, and it's that 
I'm in conflict too. Mm-hmm. I, I cause conflict. And some of the things that I do as a parent, as a husband, as a boss, as a worker, they bring the conflict. And I'm most often kind of unaware of it. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. You know, I, I, speaking of kids, I, I feel like we sometimes think, oh, if, they were just, if we could just mold them into little versions right. of me, just, the world would be so much better. But, man. And then you do. <laughs> yeah. And you realize they are oh, little yeah. versions of you. And you're yeah. like, how did they get all the worst parts of me? And yeah. my kids are fantastic. <laughs> but they also got the part of me that I wasn't crazy about. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, oh, we, we tend to <laughs> we tend to pass on all, all aspects, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we ended up getting a couple of questions submitted. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if we're lacking in time or questions, I'll just start shooting from the hip. We'll see where we go. All right, let's go. Um, all right, so yeah. no, number one here, um, what do we do with people who start conflict on purpose? Friends, family, coworkers, mm-hmm. they just kind of like to stir the pot and get things going and stand back and appreciate their handiwork. What do we do with those kind of people? Well, they're, they're, so the question is, are they doing it because it's an attention-getting device or there's, uh, there's an injury in their life that means that they need to stir the pot? And, I mean, so there are, there are psychological conditions where people do that because of grave uh, emotional baggage, and uh, they, they can't live without the turmoil, without the stress, without the the suffering of other people, right? Hmm. The misery loves company. Um, so I have to determine whether or not this is um, this is a conflict that's even going to be resolved. If it's constant, there is a point where I can say, I don't think we're going to get anywhere here. And I, I pray and I wash my hands and I shake the dust off my feet, mm-hmm. which is scriptural. The yeah. disciples would move into a town and Christ said, if they reject you and reject you and reject you, even after following the mandates that scripture lays out, mm-hmm. you confront the devil's advocate or the person who's just thrown a monkey wrench in everything. And if that's not a change that they're willing to make, I can't make it. Yeah. And uh, I have to decide if I want to live with that turmoil and stress. And sometimes it'll be a family member, and you kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there needs to be isolation from it, too, or else it changes me. I become bitter. I become hard. It's hard to deal with that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I have a practical suggestion because all of these kinds of questions are nuance-influenced. Mm-hmm. You know, are, is it a 16-year-old who's just being immature or is it a 42-year-old who's, who's being a 16-year-old? Just be, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I made fun of Facebook. I've got friends who do this. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. what I post. It's going to come back to contention. Yeah. And so I have to decide, do I unfriend them? Mm-hmm. You know, and then they're going to post something mean anyway. So, do, you know, do I unfriend them and explain why? The explaining why is really important. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I'm reminded of another scripture, and you can tell me if this maybe plays yeah. at all. Um, where I believe it's Paul is telling uh, his audience, as far as it depends on you to live at peace yeah. with all people. Yeah, so that's kind of a little different than just live at peace with all people, right? As far as it depends on you, right. live with peace at all. And there's some people, yeah, you're not going to change your hearts and minds, and they're going to hate you no matter what. They're going to hate you because you can continue to be friends right. on Facebook. And if you unfriend them, they're going to hate you for that, too. <laughs> yeah, I sound old when I talk about Facebook because I realize that's not the, that's the medium for old people. But, yeah. you know, it's not what everybody else is doing. I, 
I, I do think that's that's a valid statement. I live at peace as far as I'm concerned, as far as my relationship goes. Um, but I don't have to tolerate bad behavior. Right. And yeah. at some point, you know, you probably want to pull yourself away from it. And that's, that's what I would probably say. Yeah. That seems like sage advice. Yeah. Um, so here's another question for you. Okay. Uh, switching gears. Um, unresolved conflict. Um, can that affect your prayers? Yeah. Uh, I mean, patience is hard, right? And I have, I have things that I'm praying for. Uh, God never promises to do everything I want. In fact, there's some, you know, there, there's uh, some of the scriptures we use talk about our motivation. James particularly talks about our motivation. I want what I want because I want it. But unresolved conflict forever, it's a burden we bear. That's a better way to say it. Mm. Um, I might have a son or daughter, and I have friends who have, you know, uh, who have relationships with their kids that are extraordinarily strained. And it's not, um, from my observation, it's not the parent that's caused it. It's a child that's walked away from the gospel and doesn't want to have anything to do with the gospel. And that is just a burden the parent bears. It's a pain that we take to Jesus in a different way, and we have to lay it there. That unresolved conflict, again, if I, if I don't have the, um, the fair option of distancing myself in, in, um, in righteousness, mm-hmm. then it's going to be something I have to carry. Yeah, and um, and God helps with that burden because He loves the people that we're we're working on too. I I come back to Philippians where it says, you know, that I'm confident of this that He who began a good work in you mm-hmm. is faithful to complete it until the day of His you know of His coming back. I so that's where I would stand. I would say that God is doing something far greater than my conflict. Mm-hmm. And it may require my patience and a little bit of my suffering in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I show great, I show great patience and love by bearing with another person, and sometimes that's a, that's the intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in having that sort of unresolved conflict, let's say you're the one that is harboring this unforgiveness. Yeah. Um, do you see any correlation or would you say that there's any connection between, uh, you know, I'm, I have unforgiveness towards somebody. I'm unwilling to go there and forgive them. Yeah. How does that, does that factor into salvation? My relationship with God? Does that, does that play into that at all? Do you think? Um, well, the good news is we don't have to judge it necessarily. So I don't have to make the call, Mm -hmm. but I do think in the case where I have something that I'm not even doing battle with, where the Holy Spirit isn't even convicting me. Um, and that happens, you know, sometimes people will just continue on in this conflict and they're like, I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think that we have to come to a point again where, uh, if it's me and I have unresolved sin issues, that's not a salvation issue necessarily. It does give me reason to question mm-hmm. whether the salvation is real. Okay. But it but it doesn't give me the opportunity to judge. I can't judge yours, mm-hmm. but I could question. Yeah. And um as far as I'm concerned, I've got enough sin that 
you know, is hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. I used some really simple illustrations, mostly because I don't want people shocked at the fact that, you know, you start bringing your sin to the table and say, so it's been a while and I am confessing all the time and doing battle all the time and then I'll lose all the time. That's different mm-hmm. than an unrepentant, unconcerned continuation of a sin. Regardless of what people are going to say, I'm going to do what I want. That sounds like pride. That sounds yeah. like, you know, uh, it sounds like Satan is what it sounds like. Yes. And again, I don't want to judge that, mm-hmm. but but I have rights to question it. Yeah. Um, it kind of, it sounds like maybe we're talking about condition of the heart versus external things. Yeah. God's looking at that condition of the yeah. heart. We're only able to see the external things so we can make guesses, yeah. you know, and we have reason to, to doubt or suspect, right. is, are you really in the right spot? I uh, I heard a, a pastor, Mike Winger, online before yeah. describe this sort of scenario, um, the works, the, the outward fruit, you know, right. versus like what's going on inside, what's the relationship right. like? And he described it as sort of like, so on a continuum of like someone that we know is 100% saved, they're just doing it all. They're praying. They're tithing. They're you know just n- n- no unwholesome talk. You know just everything perfect. They're over here. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got you know someone who not only doesn't believe but hates God, mm-hmm. hates Jesus, hates the idea. They lie. They're selfish. They do everything wrong. Whatever. Right. So we've got this sort of spectrum. Now, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus, but all outward appearances, you fall maybe over here on this end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would rightfully question what's going on inside. Right. Whereas if you say you follow Jesus and you're somewhere in the middle or somewhere over here, like, all right, yeah, we're, we're all fallible. We're going to struggle with sin. I think the spiritual conflict is an evidence of the Holy Spirit in us. Mm-hmm. So when a person doesn't have the struggle, mm-hmm. that's an evidence of an inactive or an impersonal Holy Spirit. And at that point, I, I could say, hmm, you know, there's evidence. This is where the evidence is. Yeah. The, you don't know Jesus Christ. You haven't accepted His work mm-hmm. because you're, there's no evidence. And you know, Scripture says that over and over again. There'll there'll be people who will say, "Ah, you know, didn't I do this? I was pretty good." Mm-hmm. And he'll say, "I never, I didn't know you." Yeah. By the same token, I want to be real careful. You know, there's no evidence that I'm saved beyond a shadow of a doubt either. There are people. There were groups like the Pharisees mm-hmm. who did everything right. Yeah. But their hearts were dirty. Yeah. And, you know, I can't judge the heart, which is the problem. I can't judge yeah. the heart. Um, so there's remorse and pain. And, again, I think I used this illustration. The second that I give my life over to Jesus Christ, Satan has lost the battle. But it doesn't mean that I'm not in conflict with him. Now I'm at war with him. Yeah. Before I wasn't in war. You know, the fruits of the flesh, mm-hmm. that was who I was. Right. Now, the Spirit gives fruits of, of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and now the person I am is at war with the person that God intends for me to become, yeah. and I'm like, ah, uh, I just upped the battle. It's like that struggle Paul talks about in Romans. Right. You know, all the good that I want to do, I end up not doing. Right. And all the bad I don't want to do, that's the exact stuff I end up doing. <laughs> and what I would say is the awareness that Paul had to say it, is an indication the Holy Spirit was active. Yeah, that's a good observation. I like that. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so <laughs> fr- from there, we kind of touched on it a little bit. 
Um, there was another question that got brought up, probably with a few sub-questions inside sure, of it, sure. one of which they bring up the idea of once saved, always saved. Right. And that's kind of a biblical doctrine or doctrine yep. that a lot of Christians believe in right. anyway. That's um, So is that something you prescribe to, you would agree with? Does that play into this at all? As far as talking, like, if someone is, say, harboring this unrepentant sin, is that like a... Does that mean maybe maybe they're not saved starting now, or is that more evidence that maybe they never really had a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, like I, like I said, I'm glad I don't have to judge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows the heart, so I start there. The, so um, theologically, there's a little piece of theological logic that I hang on to. Mm-hmm. So if the cross was complete, then it's complete. Mm-hmm. I, I need every drop of Christ's blood. I need every every pound of his broken flesh. And I would say that's, yes, that's true. The sub-note of that is uh, an, old, uh, an old theologian, his name is James Montgomery Boyce, and a good Presbyterian guy at 10th Presbyterian, and he said this, he said, if I can find the 1% that I am responsible for, I have identified the critical 1%, and it's no longer on God. And so that is such a logical statement that, salvation. I throw myself at the mercy of God. I beg for his mercy and grace. He promises that he'll give it. I know that I will continue to sin in spite of the fact that I'm confessing. I'm desirous to be a new creation. There is indicators that the old man still lurks about. It seems like that's scriptural. <laughs> it still is a war with me. And so what I would say is, yes, I believe that once I am saved, I am in the grasp of the Holy Spirit. Again, you know, Jesus talking about that when he said that, uh, you know, I and the Father are one. And he explains that he holds us. Mm-hmm. And the Father, who's stronger than all, holds us. It's mm-hmm. this joint custody. And, yeah. I, and I, I feel like if I can lose my salvation, I've already done it. Yeah, right. Like, right? If yeah. I can lose it, I, yeah, I did it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Because I can't seem to, I, I, I make steps and I see progress, but one day, mm-hmm. one day when yeah. I'm with him, I'll, I'll be like him. In the meantime, you know, so yes, I believe once I'm saved, I'm always saved, but I don't make the mistake of thinking, so I said the prayer. Right. It's not really in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's bad to say a prayer of right. confession. I think that's I think it's a great place to say this is where I began my spiritual quest. I think it's a phenomenal place. But I but I don't think that's the hallmark moment, hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I read uh can or, be. Or, yeah, right. Can be. When I heard this uh this question, it it got me thinking about the idea of repentance yeah. as well. Yeah. That I think it's misunderstood sometimes to think that like repentance just means saying sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, and then going and doing it 20 more times right afterwards. And well, as long as I just check in from time to time and say, sorry, then I'm good. Right. But repentance biblically seems to be more of, I, I'm truly sorry. There's contrition there about this and I'm turning the other way. I'm running from it. Right. Um, so if that's what we're going to continue to practice, if that's what we're doing, the repent, you know, the, the charge that Jesus called us to repent, be baptized. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's more the issue. 
Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a war. Yeah. <laughs> it's a war against our flesh. It's the war. Man, oh, man. Um, this is really uh, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more work. Yeah. Um, but it's not the sal- salvation work, right? if that makes sense. No, that was all his on the cross. Right, yeah. His blood, his body, his death, his resurrection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have no uh, no lack of work cut out for us, right. but the biggest work has already been done. Yep. We're in. Yep. Yeah. 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 And and I think that as a desire, I desire to live like Christ, mm-hmm. and then I feel the war. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, I blew it again. Man, that happens every day for me. I don't know if it happens every day for anybody else. It happens every day for me. Where I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm so stupid. You yeah. know, but I... I do believe that God is merciful and he is forgiving and I throw myself again on the cross over and over again. Um, not in a salvation sense, but just in a, an understanding, a recognition of what God has done through it. And um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, just mind-blowing there, yeah. you know, thinking about that. Um I had uh, one last thing I was hoping you could expound on a little bit. Sure. Um, as you said, you, you, you told us at the beginning you were going to kind of try and hurry to get through because it's a lot of stuff on your plate to try and, uh, and get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said when we disagree, um, it's, it's tougher to deal with. There's a couple questions that we need to ask before we go to war. So when we have these sort of disagreements, like theological disagreements, right. um, there, are, there are some times where you would – want to actually have that conflict and deal with those things. Right. Sometimes it's easier to just right. say, okay, that's fine. We can drop it. Yeah. So you mentioned like, uh, is this a heresy stonable or agree to disagree? Do right. You, do you want to expound on any of that or like yeah. maybe a barometer? Is there a barometer for telling when we can? Well, first of all, you know, we, we're in disagreement with other believers who adamantly love Jesus Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we say that's heresy. Uh, that's an, you know, it's a general cry. It means I don't agree with that. Yeah. So my statement to my staff has always been so stonable or agree to disagree. Like you know, do do we have to stone the heretic? I mean, do we have to take them out and kill them because they're perverting the word of God? Mm-hmm. And everybody believes that something that I disagree with is a slight perversion. Mm-hmm. I just have to realize, wait, I'm I'm not going to be perfect when I get to heaven either. I, you know, a couple of preacher friends and I, we joke about this. I say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to spend the first thousand years listening to to Christ explain it to me, and I'm going to say over and over again, oh, wow, you would not believe what I was preaching. I am so sorry. I was so yeah. off base. But to come back to that, yeah, I, I, before I go to war, I have to understand, is this heresy? And again, if I do it in love, it's to correct the brother is in error. But understand, that means that I am theologically astute on this area. Yeah. So I'm not winging it based on a feeling or I need to be on this. And I think that's another practical sense where I would take somebody else with me Mm -hmm. who may be a little bit more astute than I am. That that way, this loving confrontation over a her- heretical issue mm-hmm. is presented that way, yeah. and it's it's not presented as anger or stonable. We're going to take out back in Estonia, mm-hmm. but it's a we we want to show you the error of some of your thought, and you can do that lovingly. 
Yeah. So there's that. Am I expected to fix it? That's another piece. Right. Yeah. You know, and there are some things where scripture has been a little bit unclear on. Mm-hmm. So uh, Emerson Egrich always used to say this. He'd say, you know, where scripture is unclear, I'm going to stay unclear. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that because, you know, where Scripture is clear, I teach that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important to remember if there is room in Scripture for different interpretations, mm-hmm. then I have to at least allow some of that room in my opinion. Doesn't that make you uncomfortable, though? Is, There's tension, is that tough? Right? Is that tough to sort of hang on to something with a real loose grip? Because I feel like myself and probably a lot of other people are like, mm, no, nah, I want black and white. I want all, all sure. the edges colored in and shaded in. Right. No mystery left. We got it figured out. Yeah, because I like to, I'd like to know what line I don't step across. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let me use a really bad analogy. We just got a new collar for my dog um, who is wonderful and loving and really tries to you know, be obedient, but she's a two-year-old golden retriever. And there's just not much upstairs. Like, <laughs> she is loving. She'll go anywhere. But here's, so here's the issue. The collar actually gives her a couple warnings. It beeps, and she knows, okay, I should stop. Mm-hmm. And then there's a prolonged beep. And it's like, you really need to stop. Mm-hmm. This is all grace. Yeah. And when she steps onto the road, there's a shock. Mm-hmm. And the shock is still grace. Yeah. I, I love that because the road isn't. Mm-hmm. Everything up to the road. But I want to know where the road is so I can get to the road. And I want to know what the line is so I can get to the line and know I'm on the right side of the line. And Scripture is far more spiritual than that. It's right. more nebulous at times. So I'm going to follow Jesus. Yeah. And, and he didn't give me a map. <laughs> he told me, follow me. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, the, I, I don't know if this makes sense to you. In my convoluted mind, this is making all kinds of sense. But we like lines because we like to know when I've messed up mm-hmm. and gone across. That's shame-based. I want to know when I'm following Jesus, and I don't have to worry about the line. Yeah. And, and if I can get to that point where I'm like, just where's Jesus? I have, a, I have an old friend. He's on 93, I think. And he just says, look, our job's really simple. Just love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just love Jesus. Like well, that sounds too simple. I need some rules. <laughs> yeah, give me a line. Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I no, I think it. I think it does. Um, so, yeah. When do I correct? I, so that her- was the question. Yeah, when do I correct? Yeah. So heresy. I, I know you said if it's harmful. heresy, is it harmful? Right. So are they believing something that is stealing from uh, their their own faith? Is it, it? Are they believing something? And it it can extend past spiritual truth. Mm-hmm. So do I believe something about my family, and and lovingly, if I have a, the position to do it, I can speak to it. Um, I can speak to that. Now, I don't try and raise my grandson, but if we were to see something, we might lovingly say, have you thought about this? Hmm. Fortunately, I don't know that we're going to have to do that much. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. But I, I do know that it extends outside of theology, too. Mm-hmm. It extends to the way people spend money. And, I, you know, I'm a boss, yeah. And part of our philosophy is we're no debt as an organization. Hmm. 
That doesn't mean that that's universally true because all of us have had mortgages at some point. It's an investment as opposed to running up thousands and thousands of dollars of credit card debt, which means now I'm obligated to pay it back and it burdens the ministry. So there are those practical, uh, the way a person leads, uh, the way a person communicates. I'm, I am responsible by virtue of my calling mm-hmm. and by, uh, by my office to confront certain things too. Right. And those are pretty clear. Um, you know, you, most people know this is my kid. It's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. This is my Sunday school class, my responsibility. This is my, my brother, my wife, my husband. And I have a responsibility to, to correct gently in love. Mm-hmm. Um, which is most often why I have to take two or three with me. Yeah. So from the sounds of it, you're saying this correction or this sort of uh, fighting the battle done normally in the context of relationship. Yeah. Not with strangers on Facebook necessarily. (laughs) No, you know, street evangelism by pointing out sin Mm -hmm. really is, it's worked because the Holy Spirit uses whatever he wants, whatever he wants, but that's not a method. Right. Right. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to I'm going to go to yeah, I'm going to go where sin is really obvious yeah. and I'm going to hold the sign up. Right. I'm like, well, that doesn't usually work. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I feel the same. You know, there's going to be bound bound to be some people that right. find that persuasive and the spirit's been working on them and you got them at just the right moment, but Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it would be a lot more effective. Yeah. Coming from someone that they already know that loves them, friends with them, has that rapport. Um, I've heard someone say, uh, friends buy from friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> that, you know, uh, a great question to ask in those confrontations is, so do you believe that I would say something deliberately to hurt you? Hmm. And, you know, uh, sometimes Dawn and I will, will have those conversations back and forth where she'll say, do you think that the reason I'm bringing this up is to hurt you? Mm-hmm. And no matter how shame-based I am living right now, I would recognize, no, that's not her purpose. Right. And so I'm going to at least extend that much grace to listen. Mm-hmm. Same thing's true, you know, from the advice giver's perspective. You realize I would never do this to hurt you. Mm-hmm. But when I see certain things because of love, and you may never, it might not do anything. Yeah. It might just make you mad. But I love you, and so I have to say it. My wife and I have that phrase in our marriage, I love you enough to tell you. Yeah. Which is uh, sometimes difficult. Yeah. I think um, we could talk a lot about that. But I think in culture today, uh, love would not be having tough conversations or saying right. things that are unwelcome. Right. Um, which, yeah, I mean, as a Christian, I got to disagree with that. Sometimes the most loving thing is actually to tell someone something that maybe they don't want to hear, but it is in their best interest and is good for them to hear. Yeah, I. Um, this is a side note, but it's really interesting. I was talking to a pastor friend, and he said this. He said, do you realize that there's no place in Scripture where um, Christ comes face to face with an untruth and does not confront it. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people have this picture of Jesus 
um, you know, mostly extracted from scripture, yeah. but kind of, you know, fantasized in their head a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, he never said anything, you know, of course. Uh, he was just happy-go-lucky, hippie Jesus, whatever. Right. You know, right. uh, Sermon on the Mount. He said, even though uh, you all, though you are evil, yeah. <laughs> know yeah. how to give good gifts, right. how much better the Father. And it's like, wait a minute. He just called an entire crowd of people evil <laughs> to their faces that were following him. It, That's a little bit... Oh man, and that sermon. So we were uh, we were there this year. We're on the on the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're looking and to put it in the historical context that he was speaking to. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Blessed are the peacemakers," and they're in occupied <laughs> occupied territory. Yeah, like it's such it's such a counterintuitive message. This yeah. this faith thing is so counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, Doug, um, I don't want to keep you all day, even though we could. We definitely could. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate you uh, staying with us here, answering, oh, some, <laughs> answering some really tough questions. I'm really glad you're it. sitting there and I'm sitting here, and I just get to listen to your cool answers. Oh, yeah, I wish they were all cool. <laughs> I, I, I also need a disclaimer here that in any case where I'm wrong, which is probable, um, you know, just give me some grace. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Grace, please, 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 please. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Episode 128 of North Point Plus. Yeah. Um, please comment, like subscribe, share this. Um, we'd love to hear feedback. If you have more questions, more follow-ups, we'll track Doug down and we'll get him to answer. (laughs) No, (laughs) but we appreciate it. We'll take two or three. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.